From Future Founders HQ in the podcasting studio at 1871 in downtown Chicago, this is The Insider. Your fast pass for the latest news, tools, and debates for young entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to the Future Founders Podcast. My name is Tyler Turk, founder and CEO of Created with Love, a date night subscription box. Here with Kat and David, and today we're gonna to talk a little bit about B2C selling. David, how's it going, man? Doing well, thanks for asking. Uh, my name is David Zamarn. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Detropel, where we make protective coatings that can be placed onto virtually any object or any surface and can repel any liquid-based substance. Hi guys, my name is Kat. I am the founder of Locker Lifestyle and it started in college after I had my valuables stolen out of my gym locker. So I create wearable wrist wallets and pocket headbands so you can stash essentials. So what I think is gonna be really cool about this conversation is I think all three of us sell really unique products. And because of that, I think the selling strategy is gonna be a lot different for each one of us. So I'm excited to kind of hear your thoughts on selling, especially in this like e-commerce world. And I guess to start, like, do do both of you guys sell primarily online? Like, can you guys explain where you sell and how you sell? Yeah. So I, for my wrist wallets and headbands, they're super light. So e-commerce is really big for us. Our website is our number one channel right now. Uh, We do have retail location, well, our products in retail locations, but um, we have a couple other sites like The Gromit and Fair that do help kind of distribute our products across the country as well. Nice. David, are you similar? Sort of. I'll speak historically because that's probably a better indicator. But last year, for example, 2018, uh, 80% of our business was online, direct to consumer. And then I'd say about closer to 50% of it is that way this year. Uh, grant, granted, our revenue has grown uh, tremendously. So it's, it's been a little bit harder to maintain that same kind of, you know, I guess, uh, progression or whatever, direct to consumer without having any of our other business kind of come into play as well, because we're, we were in general, we, we believe B2B and selling to wholesale companies like manufacturers, let's say of carpets or furniture or clothing is really where, you know, kind of like the big bucks are, but that does not necessarily exclude direct to consumer retail for us because that's a big, big focus as well. And as as is for Cat, our website is our biggest seller and has been and, and then followed by Amazon and third party sellers like the Gromit as well and, and some other ones. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is especially now, like 100% of our revenue is, is through our website, but over the, or at least online, over the past few years, we've been starting to get into like Amazon and third party selling platforms. And it just kind of like goes to show that how big the world is, I guess, in terms of selling. Like I almost, when I started the company, I only thought that we'd be selling on our website like alone. And then we have places that are similar to the Gromit only for like subscription boxes. I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like we sell a little bit differently. Our focus is a little bit different on those different platforms. So what's been the learning experience for like selling on your website? Yeah. I mean, I, in my opinion, I think uh, getting visitors is as important as getting conversions. And I think, you know, the biggest hurdle that most small businesses will have, especially in direct to consumer is finding reliable ways of getting like massive amounts of traffic onto a site. 
And then of course, the next problem that you have if you solve that problem is making sure that, sure that those people convert um, and both have their own separate challenges, separate methods and, and whatnot. And so it definitely takes, and each business is different too, but it definitely takes just understanding and being in the weeds of your own business and understanding what that means and, and how you're gonna be able to grow or get visitors and convert them. To me, I would say that it's because you can't just kind of really put up a website. There's so many other tools to kind of help aid you in turning that visitor into someone that will actually convert on your site. And then from there, it's like, oh, how do you get them to be a repeat customer? So there's a lot of little elements that go into it. So for us, what is helped on lockerlifestyle.com is changing the way and where we have certain images, the certain height of things, and kind of stepping back and looking at our site as, as a consumer because sometimes you're so in it is like, oh, this is my baby, this is my business, I look at it this way, but if you take a step back and if you were to go and try and purchase something, how would you feel if something was formatted in a certain way? And so that's kind of been a shift for us is in also like getting people to test and give feedback, positive and negative on if we're making these little changes and how we can optimize that. What have you guys both done to get that initial traffic to the website? You can't get anybody to your website, like no one's gonna convert, you're not gonna get any sales. So what are some things that you guys did maybe in the beginning um, or even that you still do now to help drive traffic? So I have a little bit of a, of a bias here because I, I had a, a very fortunate, you know, kind of experience with this in the sense that in the beginning of the company, we did a lot of guerrilla marketing. We were very boots on the ground. We tried getting into retail and we tried getting into boutique stores and then obviously networking and, and trying to advertise our own site. Um, this is, early in 2014, you know, we were trying to, you know, kind of market both in a retail perspective and online. And the two kind of go hand in hand, because as, as long as you get retail presence, you kind of start having customers and they start visiting your site for instructions. And a lot of our packaging actually referred to our sites so that people would go on there and look at instructions or certain aspects of, of the product. And that was actually, I mean, it was strategic because one, we needed the space in the bottle. And two, it was the easiest way to get people to actually come to our website and then have them you know, go directly to us as opposed to through a retailer, um, which has its pros and cons. And particularly, we got lucky or, or fortunate later on when we were a Shark Tank company and we were featured on Shark Tank. And this is early last year, so 2018, beginning of 2018, we ended up having our episode air and we had a very, very successful episode uh, with very high ratings, which really helped us. Um, kind of grow the business. It really legitimized the business. So we did like within the first, I think it was like three days or, or within the first week and a half, it was like 300,000 in revenue on our website alone, not including Amazon or anything else, but just on our website. Um, and we were back ordered. And, and so that kind of brought us the initial traffic. And then it was up to us to learn how to convert that and then keep those customers and then grow as well. And so what we did back then is very different than what we do now. So back then, you know, we kind of got this, pre we, we were very focused on PR and retail. And, and then this year and going forward, we started spending a lot of our time in actual content creation and figuring out who the customer is to the dot, like to the exact T of who that person is. And then targeting that demographic in order to get them to actually be interested in what we're saying and doing, not just what we're selling. And so that's kind of what helped bring a lot of the initial traffic to the company and to the website.
at first because I was started the business while I was in school. And so we don't have this huge budget to drive all of this traffic and you don't even know what's going to work at first. So for me, when I started doing some pitch competitions, it really, I was pitching my business to audiences of a few hundred to a few thousand people at a time. And so that was a huge Kickstarter for us in kind of getting traffic and people who already knew the story and knew what we had and, and kind of engaged with us. And it brought our repeat customer rate up pretty high too, because that way they were engaged. Um, and then another thing for us was leveraging free PR. I, after doing the pitch competitions and being a student and kind of sharing my story, I was able to leverage a lot and get some local press in the area to just kind of share what uh, we were doing. And then uh, a third element was attending local events because at first I wasn't really targeting retail, but then when I was attending like local shows, even markets, craft fairs, expos, things, people not only because that they liked the product, they bought it in person, then they would come back to my site, buy it as a gift for someone, buy it during the holidays. And it kind of snowballed from there because once you're kind of collecting that data or their email or they see you again, you get to keep engaging. So that was a huge and still continues to be uh, big traffic drivers for us. Yeah, for us, we, we do a lot of affiliate marketing. So we'll like send a box out to get reviewed by a, by a blogger or whatever. In the beginning, that was a, that was a huge source of our traffic just because we were kind of helping to create an industry. Like there wasn't very much search volume for um, like a date night subscription. So in the beginning we had to kind of get people to educate people and get people to, to understand what we do and then go to our site. So using affiliate marketing for us was super important. And now we've gotten into SEO a lot. So you can see a lot of our blog posts on some high ranking search results that aren't necessarily about the box or the product itself, but things that like our target customer would be searching for or need an answer for. And then they find us, you know, learn about our brand and then, you know, hopefully we can convert them. So that's pretty cool. Like all three of us, I think have a little bit different history and a little bit of a different background and how to drive traffic. So to sum that up, David, you were using a lot of PR and then Kat, like a lot of grassroots and then free PR. And then for me, it was a lot of affiliate and SEO. So, and, and I'm sure we overlap a lot, overlap a lot, but that's, that's pretty cool. Okay. Let's say we were a new company. We do some sort of that mixture and, and get some additional traffic to the site. Talk to me about how you guys have gone about converting people on the website what sort of things you've learned along the way in terms of how to get more conversions and that sort of thing. And just, just some overall experiences with that cat. You want to start? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm still learning because I had no idea even how to build a site at first or really work into the whole e-commerce world. A big tool for me has been, it's called hot jar. So I can see where people are actually going almost like video curse like the cursor the mouse like it tracks how people are interacting with the site and so that was big in terms of seeing where our drop-off points were and a big thing for us when we added our hassle-free like return exchange type policy because some people kind of worry we're worried about the sizing we have information uh, of course, on our page. But when we put that, it was kind of like people were willing to almost take that minor risk in purchasing the product. And we don't have many returns at all of like 1% of returns a year. Like we, we don't have a lot, but we saw an increase in first time buyers when we added 
the couple different points of information that we will take care of them that, you know, our customer service is, is here for you kind of thing. Yeah, for us, it was definitely, um, particularly for digital, it was a really strong combined effort in, in learning like different tactics and methods that worked better with both human psychology and just in general kind of data reflecting. And so we focused a ton on data. And that's, so one of the things that I should preface that with is for an earlier stage company, focusing on data is extremely hard because you probably don't have data. And by data, that means like having customers and it's usually more than, you know, just a few customers. You usually need like a couple thousand, closer to 10,000 plus per month to really draw any conclusions from data. But we had that opportunity. And so what we did is we, we took a lot of time and effort to really learn how to analyze data. We hired a full-time, you know, CFO actually, who had a very strong presence and background in data analytics. And so we spent a lot of time learning exactly like who our customer was and then understanding what kind of typical, because it's, it's kind of like, you know, an estimate, it's not necessarily like, you know, everything just by having data, but kind of understanding what a general customer would act like in certain situations. So we learned customers preferred a one page checkout where everything is done on one page as opposed to having multiple tabs. Um, we learned that, our customers wanted to have an option, and this is kind of generic, kind of all across most e-commerce platforms, but you should have a call to action within the first layer or first page of your site, particularly to buy. And so we did that. And we focused on a lot of what the customer was saying and, and, and what we understood from them and learned a lot about what our present, past, and future customers were going to look like. And we just implemented a lot of those changes and made sure that those tactics were going to make sense. And so that happened for us. And we ended up having a really big spike in conversions. And then eventually, you know, you get into fancy stuff like digital ads and remarketing and, and making sure that SEO is combined with like, for example, and again, I'm going real deep in here, but like you could do, for example, there are certain services where when you have someone go to your cart, right. And they, and they abandon the cart. Most companies will just do an abandoned cart email and send you an email we ended up getting really down and dirty with getting kind of emails in there. Then we, we paid third-party services to then go ahead and find the IP addresses associated with those people that we either had or did not have those emails. And from getting their IP address, we could calculate where their house actually was and what their address was. And then we would send physical post mail to those clients. And, and you have to be careful because average order value means a lot. And customer acquisition also means a lot if, if your average order value isn't high. So a lot of these tactics are, you know, maybe not necessarily good for all businesses, which is what I said in the beginning, that every business is different. But that worked for us tremendously well. And we saw conversions really boost up after doing a few of these different tweaks. We do a similar thing. So Kat, we've actually used Hotjar. We still use Hotjar. And David, yeah, we, we keep track of as, as much data as we can. What's interesting, though, is how, and this leads to kind of another conversation, but David, you had said that, that your customers prefer like a one-page checkout. Our customers prefer it broken down. That leads to this whole conversation about who's your, who's your customer, who are you really selling to? Because every website is going to be a little bit different because we're all dealing with different target markets. So in order to sell, like we got to drive, pe drive people to, the uh, to our website and then we got to convert them. But I think an even more important question is like, how did you figure out who that right customer is? Because you got to get the right customer to your website. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about like how you, how you found who your target customer was and maybe some things that you learned about them and, and learned how to sell to them? Yeah, I can start with that because it was a bit unusual for me because I originally created my product thinking it was for fitness. Like I really just wanted one for myself to go to the gym and have the basics. But then 
had all these people asking, oh, I want to use it for tailgates. Oh, I want to use it for festivals and things. And so at first I was a bit unfocused with finding that target customer. But then once I started attending events and engaging with people, like kind of like cash and carry, it wasn't wholesale shows. It was people just buying product on the spot. And when they would come up to the booth, they would say, oh, I know a runner who would love this. And then I would have people who would come by and say, oh, I'm, I'm not a runner, but it's a cool product. And so, and, oh, like 90% of people's reactions. And I was talking, I was doing multiple events and seeing thousands of people, like the majority of people's initial instinct and, in, or use for the product was for running. And so then that kind of brought me that focus of, you know, doing wholesale specific shows. And then on my site, making sure that I'm showing images of people running, incorporating that into our social feed and kind of explaining that, oh, it's sweat wicking. Like what is a runner looking for? Like what use case are they, do they want out of this product? And so it wasn't that I necessarily retrieved that data from my site. It was actually like engaging with people in person to be able to make those changes. So it was a bit different for us, but what would you say that you've done, David, for that? It's tough. I mean, you definitely need to, like I said, this is very business specific. And so, you know, what might work for us definitely doesn't necessarily work for everyone else. But just taking a look at like data, for example, right? Like before you have enough data to analyze, it's like, what what do you do to get there? Right. And again, like we kind of got fortunate that our, our you know, episode aired and everything like that. So we had that opportunity. But before that happened, one of the major things that we did is when we looked at getting funnel, right, getting the customer to the site, and then getting them to actually purchase. There are multiple steps in between there. And it takes just an understanding, like, again, what your customer acts like and what kind of product you have. Because Kat, you and I, we have, you know, a kind of single use product, more or less, right? And, and like pretty low average order value on our site. I, I don't know what yours is, but mine's closer to like 35 bucks. Yeah, even lower than that, so it's difficult. Yeah. And, and there's easy ways to manipulate that to get it higher with free shipping triggers and whatnot. So, you know, like there are multiple strategies there, but I think one of the key components, like Tyler, you have a subscription model, right? So you have customers that most of the time, you know, revisit your site, so on and so forth. And so, and so you can kind of market to them and add, you know, new components to what your business is doing and send that to them. And even though we have email lists, for example, Kat and I from previous customers, it's a little bit harder to do because if a customer didn't have a great experience with you or if a customer just kind of, I don't know, for some reason didn't necessarily think to come back to your site for whatever reason that might be, you now have to do almost twice the work to get them. So it, it's tough and, and it's really hard to kind of learn that, that curve. Um, and some companies do it better than others. And, and that's kind of what you see with like the casters of the world where, you know, they, they focus on getting to their first like, maybe 2 million in revenue, for example. And if it's all digital, for example, they'll, they'll hire, you know, data analytics specialists and then they'll find exactly what works for them and where, when they put in, you know, let's say a dollar in marketing or an ad spend, they're getting $4 or $3 back. That's when you start hearing about all these insane kind of valuations and them raising money because what they're doing is they're just fueling a fire. And, and that's kind of like, I think the key part of any business is like just understanding where you're, how you're going to start that fire make sure you can maintain that fire and then obviously fueling that fire. I agree. And one thing that was important for us was kind of the psychology of things. And our product is very emotional. 
it's a very um, an emotional buy because it's just what we're selling. We're selling more of an experience than I think we are selling a product, but it's it's the emotions that I think that product creates is what we're selling. And so for our site, for example, we saw a huge spike in our conversion rate when we put my wife and my story on like how we started the company on the homepage of our website. Um, because one, I think that was a little bit of social proof and it was kind of our customers being able to connect uh, to our product. So for us, like empathy and, and feeling what our customers feel and being able to show that on our website was important. And Kat, and it sounded like functionality was important for you, like for your, for your customers. If majority of them use it for running, like, yeah, you probably want to put uh, some sort of Im- imagery of, of somebody running on that. Final kind of stage of the conversation, um, but to wrap up, David, what are, what are your three to five most important things to think about when you're selling? Well, in general, I think like, you know, a business is all related to sales. I mean, there are other courses of it, but if you don't have sales, then you don't have a business. Uh, and similar with like just life in general, right? Like if you don't have profits. And if you don't have money in general, your impact means a lot less. Unfortunately, that's just how the world works, but that it is what it is. And so, you know, one of the top things I always like to remind myself is, you know, sales are everything and, and kind of working on getting traffic, converting traffic. And then understanding how you're going to continue to grow that traffic in, in multiple ways because eventually it can stagnate. Those are kind of like my main things. For me, I would say it really starts, it started with choosing kind of the right backend for like what site because we're e-commerce. You know, it was really important to pick a site that would integrate with shipping and things like that because I couldn't sell to my customers unless I had something that was functional. And then two is making sure that really had our customer service that like, how are people going to interact with us? How could they get a hold of us? How, what were the hours that we would be available on our channels? And then in terms of delivery, we offer free shipping on our site because the products are so light that we eat that cost. Like we want to make sure it's a seamless process for them. And that was really important from the start, especially when competing in this Amazon world, which is just crazy and has changed a lot of way e-commerce is run. In setting up free shipping, we've seen uh, an increase in conversion that way. And then lastly would be starting with your story. I really like Simon Sinek and his Start With Why book. And a lot of people have interacted with us and stay loyal because we're not just trying to sell you this product. Like it come, it comes from a need. We have a story. We're building, you know, this life with confidence. And we make sure that we share that from beginning to end of the process with our consumer. And that keeps them coming back. Okay. I think you hit a right in the eye. I think like that's the first thing that any entrepreneur that's trying to start a business, especially one that sells to consumers as opposed to businesses, that's the first thing that you need to watch is start with why by Simon Sinek and his Ted talk. Yeah. Ted talk and the book. I recommend both. <laughs> what about you, Tyler? I probably fall in the, probably in the middle of you guys as well. Like for me, it was the most important things for me were, um, and what I would say to any, any business owners, like know your customer, know what they want, know what they feel, collect data. Um, it's never too early to start collecting data. Like to your point, David, yeah, you're, you're going to need some significant amount to like make decisions, but that's not an excuse for keeping, keeping track of data from day one. And that was one thing Absolutely. That, that I didn't do actually is I, I didn't really start until later. And so that, that kind of, I kind of had a late start on that. And then Kat, I kind of want to just echo your, your customer service uh, aspect too. And that's one thing that's super important to us, but I don't think I ever really realized how important it was, 
especially in this Amazon world and everybody wants two day shipping and you know, everybody expects free shipping. I mean, somebody's paying for shipping, right? So I think that's been another cornerstone of, of our selling is, is making sure that we provide the best experience that we can, knowing that, you know, there's going to be other benefits that we can't compete with as far as Amazon and stuff like that. So thank you both for, for hopping on and taking some time for all you listeners out there. Thank you for listening to the Future Founders podcast. To wrap up just really quick, if anybody wants to, to get more information about your, your businesses, where can they uh, go to learn about you guys? Yeah. So for, for us, you can find Locker Lifestyle, L-O-C-K-E-R-L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the channel that's the same handle, and then LockerLifestyle.com. I'd love any feedback. If you notice something about our site or interested to learn more, um, my email's on there and, and happy to connect. Yep. For me, it's uh, everything's at Detrapel or Detrapel.com, which is D-E-T-R-A-P-E-L.com. And we'll welcome anything that we can get, whether it's feedbacks, you know, customers, maybe even new hires, whatever it is. We love to hear everything. So feel free to reach out. Nice. And for me, you can visit Creative with Love. It's at Creative with Love on all social media and then gratedwithlove.com. Thank you guys. The Future Founders Podcast is produced by the Future Founders team. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month.